Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolfe. This week, we will be discussing trauma-informed schools. Our guest today will be Elizabeth DeConti, the director of the North Carolina Center for Resilience and Learning at the Public School Forum of North Carolina, Phil Cook, principal at West Green Elementary, Antonio Blow, the director of student services in Greene County Schools, and Anya Mattingly, the assistant principal at West Green Elementary. We are so pleased to be joined by Elizabeth DeConti, who is the Public School Forum's North Carolina Center for Resilience and Learning's director. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you so much. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the Center for Resilience and Learning and the work that you're doing there. Sure. So the center started a little over five years ago in the 2017-2018 school year. Um, it was formed out of a one of the study groups that the forum was doing. Um, and so this was a pilot year. We got some initial funding to be able to launch. Um, and the recommendation from the study group had looked at a number of other states across the country that were doing some of the early work around creating trauma-informed schools across the country. And we wanted to bring some of that work here to North Carolina. So we started small in two districts, Edgecombe and Rowan, and piloted this work. Um, our primary model includes training and coaching. So we partner with districts, we build relationships with them, understand some of their district level needs and goals related to their school improvement plans across the district. And then we work with them to select schools. Um, and then we begin working with administrators at the school level. We provide training to their staff around what trauma is, talk about adverse childhood experiences, what ACEs are. Um, and then we talk about the stress response system and how trauma and stress have an impact on brain development, on learning, on student behavior, and how that shows up specifically in the school, st school setting for students and also for staff. We've seen um, how stress and trauma impact staff, especially these last couple years through COVID, through educators leaving the profession and the level of burnout that we see. And then we partner with those schools even deeper beyond training and we work with them to build a core team typically called a resilience team. And our staff then is present as part of that team for at least one full year, providing coaching and support to really take the next step beyond training and awareness and look at what changes do they wanna make within their building to create that safer and more supportive learning environment for kids who are experiencing trauma, but also for all kids, things that we know all kids need to succeed, need to learn, um, need to help better meet expectations when they're in the school setting. That is so helpful to understand. And I wonder if you can explain just a little bit more about what an adverse childhood experience is for those listening who may know a little bit, but not be quite sure. Sure, so adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, this came out of a study done back in the 90s in California, looking at the impact of trauma and childhood trauma specifically, both the prevalence of it, um, how many adults had experienced some kind of adverse childhood experience, um, and then what were some of the long-term impacts related to physical health, related to mental health. Um, and so the results that they found were pretty astounding. They found that over 64% of adults out of a 17,000 person population that they asked questions to around different types of childhood trauma had said that they had experienced at least one type of ACE. Um, and the breakdown went from there to up to over 12% had experienced four or more types of adverse childhood experiences. And then, like I said, they, in addition to prevalence, looked at what were some of the long-term impacts into adulthood, um, finding impacts related to physical health, related to mental health, 
Um, and so more and more research and studies have been done since then, looking at, again, the prevalence and the impacts. And now um, research around the stress response system, um, knowing the impact that trauma and stress have on our brains, not just for kids, but also for adults, um, and how our stress response system works, fight, flight, freeze, how that shows up with behavior patterns and things that we see in the school setting with kids. Um, the research behind that really kind of demanding this need for trauma-informed schools and for educators to become aware of this and to also think about what practices can we put in place to build support, build relationships, support the social-emotional learning and the whole child when they're here in our schools with us. We have seen, um, we have seen really great outcomes with staff mindset, just shift in how staff think about their students, how staff think about behavior, really understanding that most behavior is some form of communication and there's a reason behind why we see certain behaviors that we see, um, whether that's some kind of big traumatic event happening or a child's stress response system becoming activated because of some smaller event that's happened at school. So that kind of staff mindset shift, we, we certainly see in most of our schools. Um, we've seen in a lot of our schools reductions in discipline. Um, they approach discipline differently. And then also because they are providing more supports for the whole child, that social emotional learning piece building relationships and connections so that kids come to school feeling safe and secure. All of those things are helping to reduce discipline numbers and referrals and suspensions. Um, and then schools are also changing and shifting how they approach discipline. So less traditional approaches to discipline, doing things like instead of an ISS room, having a reset room um, that promotes, again, that support piece, helping to teach skills um, for kids who need kind of that extra level of support rather than just a punitive removal response. And all this, of course, allows students to be more ready to learn. Yes. Um, which is how we will continue to support them academically as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, we also see, um, I mean, we hear from teachers just when they're able to have their kids come into an environment and immediately feel safe and secure. If they've experienced something stressful at home that morning or before they even get off the bus, that helps them to quickly regulate and to get those executive functions and that higher thinking part of the brain back online so that they are able to learn and take in new information. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and we can't wait to meet some of the people who have been implementing this work in the schools. We are so pleased to be joined by Phil Cook, the principal at West Green Elementary, and Antonio Blow, the director of student services in Green County Schools. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Phil, I wonder if you can start out by telling us what it means to be a trauma-informed school. Well, I think being a trauma-informed school means that you identify social and emotional needs as a priority within your school, not only for students, but for staff as well, and that you make that a priority every day to make sure that you're trying to meet those needs. Antonio, you've been part of the journey here in Greene County Schools since the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It has actually been an interesting journey, but uh, a good one, um, and trying to work initially to get buy-in. And so one day having a conversation with the superintendent and we talked about perfect timing. He had just left a state meeting and uh, he had heard uh, about trauma-informed schools and we also was trying to do some work around ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and it was the perfect timing to get the information that he had gathered from that meeting, and he pretty much gave us the stamp to go forth and let's just work to make this happen so it can have a positive impact on our school district. As a school leader, what does it take to create a trauma-informed school? Well, I think um, 
the whole staff is just prioritizing our students and the needs that they come to school with. We talk a lot about the invisible backpack and the needs that our students are coming to school with, but also the needs that our staff are coming to. So it's a, a school of love and nurture and caring for everybody that's here. You'll be walking down the hall and students are talking to every single staff member within the school. And so to me, it's a joy to work here every single day in a place where our students are coming excited to learn and excited to be here. Antonio, what have you done in the Greene County Schools to ensure that many of your schools are able to implement trauma-informed practices? Well, we, we always start with the uh, superintendent and then we have some meetings with principals and meeting with principals and school folks one-on-one -on -one, um, and then our administrative team. And I think we also partnered with some community partners and went through the ACE um, experience and everybody kind of saw what the ACE score happens to be. And then also understanding the needs in our community that uh, Greene County Schools has about 80% of our elementary kids uh, would qualify for free and reduced lunch. And, uh, and then the communities in which uh, our students come from and the, the number of mental health uh, referrals that we see and uh, connecting our kids to mental health services. So for this school uh, and for schools across our district, we have more than 100 students that are presently receiving uh, mental health services in school. So uh, we thought that trauma-informed schools would certainly help uh, teachers put more tools in a toolbox so they can become more effective at what they do. To, to understand that we started at our intermediate school, which is grades four and five, and then had the opportunity to work with uh, West Green, which is this school, and Snow Hill Primary and the Pre-K Center, and then this year bring it on board Green County uh, Middle School. So uh, when we have buy-in and, and teachers know that they have support from the top and from the school leaders uh, is just amazing. So the buy-in component has just been phenomenal. What does implementation of strategies to be a trauma-informed school look like? Yeah, and so um, I always give the credit back to the teachers. They're the ones doing the work every single day, but we model and focus on relationships all day long with our students and our staff. Getting to know our students, getting to know what makes them tick and how we can better support them. We've implemented a check-in, check-out system where our students are paired with a mentor throughout the school to better support them through academic, social, emotional needs, behaviors. We've also created a tap-in, tap-out program for our teachers if they ever need a moment to just take a deep breath, walk around the school, get a drink of water, get some coffee. They know there's somebody within the school that they can reach out to and get that support. Majority of our classrooms also have a calm down corner and so students are taught the expectations if they need just a moment that they can remove themselves from the classroom setting, go to the calm down corner and gather themselves before moving back into the classroom. We know there are leaders out there who are very curious about how to get started on this journey. What advice do you have? Uh, once you get the support, trust the process. All right, you, you won't get there overnight. Uh, trust the process and working with teachers, you're talking about a calm down corner and they're going to wonder, hey, how is this thing going to work? Trust the process and, and believe in the directions that you're given from the center and, and from your school leaders. So trust the process would be my takeaway. So they have been a wonderful partner for us over the course of many years since I've started here about five years ago. And so just being able to reach out to them via phone, via email and ask questions, ask for resources, ask for them to come meet with us and talk with us about some issues and concerns going on 
within the school has been a huge benefit for us. What recommendations do you have for district or state leaders in terms of what they should be doing to ensure our students have access to trauma-informed schools? I would say to uh, leaders, state leaders, funding. Uh, put the appropriate funding in place to make this happen. Everybody at some point in their life experienced trauma, whether it is secondary or whether it is primary. We all deal with trauma. And if we can fund that and put the appropriate resources in place, I think we're going to see better results. So funding would be critical and key. Wonderful. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the need's there. The data's there. Um, the data's right in front of them. If they can fund that, that'd be huge. Our students are not going to learn unless they feel loved for, nurtured, and cared for. And so if we can do that, that's half the battle right there. If they're being loved on, being cared for, then the academics is going to come. We're going to push them academically to get to their highest potential, but before we do that, we need to love them first. Looking at the data, which is the driving force, and understanding that a school has created a climate that students know that they're going to, they're going to be cared for, and that's where learning starts at first. You've got to care, and then all of the other things will fall in place, and West Green has created a wonderful environment of love and support. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us. After the break, we'll be joined by Ms. Anya Mattingly, the Assistant Principal at West Green Elementary. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. We are so pleased to be joined by Ms. Anya Mattingly, the Assistant Principal at West Green Elementary. What does it mean to be a trauma-informed school? I think being a, having a trauma-informed school means um, having a school where students and staff recognize that their the context of their lives matter, um, that they are more than just students, that we, we want to know who they are, we want to know why they are who they are, and we want to do everything we can to make them successful. How has being on this journey of becoming a trauma-informed school affected your practice? So I guess this may not um, directly answer the question, but prior to taking my role at this school, I was um, a pre-K teacher, so my background is in early childhood. So I have a lot of familiarity with um, social and emotional practices and, and facilitating those types of things. I think the biggest difference for me as an assistant principal at this school has been um, learning maybe to have a little bit more grace for the adults in, in the school because they have the same issues um, a lot of times as our students. We forget sometimes that, our, that adults carry the same baggage, the same trauma that our students might. So I think showing them grace and extending that to them and not just expecting them to know, just like we don't expect our students to know, um, how this process will work and um, just being with them to trust the process. Trauma-informed um, means, like I mentioned at the beginning, understanding the context of students' lives. Sometimes that may mean um, that they come from homes where there's not, there's not food, there's not um, running water or electricity. Maybe they don't have a bed to sleep in at night. Um, maybe their parents are incarcerated. Um, just lots of different factors. They could be, a lot of our students are doubling up. Um, they, you know, several families live in one home. So sometimes those things impact 
um, the ways that our students come to school um, and the things that they go through before they get here. Anya, what strategies have you implemented either as a whole school or with specific classrooms or students? Um, the strategies that we've implemented um, have included, we started school-wide with Calm Down Corners. Um, we have also um, done a lot of work with, we started with mindfulness, um, with, with working with our students just to learn um, strategies to calm themselves. I think a lot of times we just need to, to give students the space um, to get themselves back together. That might mean taking a walk around the school. That may mean that they need some water to drink, um, you know, going to, back to those basic human needs. Walking around, um, you know, the, the halls of our school just gets the blood flow and allows our students the opportunity um, to get themselves together, like I said. Um, we've also done things like taking pictures of our kids during COVID. We have their faces on the walls because we couldn't see them when they were wearing masks and um, putting ourselves out into the community in the ways that we could, telling the story of West Green Elementary through our social media platforms, um, through lots of pictures, um, bulletin boards. We did uh, newsletters and all sorts of things. We know that behavior is a form of communication about other things that are happening with the child. How has changing that mindset affected how you and others in your school work with children? I think the the root of addressing all behavior starts with um, relationships. So I think the biggest thing that we've done here is removing the stigma that going to the office and working with the principal is a bad thing. Um, I tell my students when I work with them that it's my job to make sure that their bodies are safe, to make sure that their brains are ready to learn, and that their their hearts and their spirits are safe too. And so that means that if they need to talk about something that happened on the bus, if they need to um, tell me about something that, you know, something awesome that happened with their, their family over the weekend, I listen. I take the time to listen. Um, so I think that has really been the biggest thing, just kind of removing that stigma. Um, and with that, it allows me to know my students and to know what they need when, they, when they're in struggle, when they're having a problem. You had mentioned that for certain students, you know that they might need some additional support. Can you talk a little bit about how that works at your school? Absolutely. Um, we have a check-in, check-out system where our students are paired with um, mentors or check-in facilitators. And in the morning, those students check in with, with the facilitator. And uh, there's a, a what we call a daily progress report that kind of monitors how our students are doing throughout the day. We tie it to our school-wide RAM code, be responsible, be respectful, be positive, be prepared. And we check in with the students during the day and then in, again in the afternoons we check out with those students. Um, just very brief conversations, but meant to be very positive and help our students take ownership of their uh, behavior and understand how what they're doing impacts others. Um, we've also done some things we try to set our school year up that way. Um, our school-wide theme this year is Team West Green. So we had a signing day at the beginning of our school year where um, every student learned um, what it meant to be to have all of those things in different parts of the school. And they signed agreeing and promising that they would follow through. What advice would you give to other educators who are curious about this pathway or would like to get started? I think the the first step is always going to be relationships. Building genuine, meaningful relationships is will always be the, the first step to take. I think also um, trust the process. 
because in the process you will take steps forward you will take steps back um, it's not going to be linear it's going to look different for every school every student but trust the process and stick with it because it works Anya you've been on this journey for several years what outcomes are you seeing with students so I think that our students are impacted greatly by this I think that um, to me at the, the core when students understand and know that we care about them, they go home, they talk about us. The families know that we care about our students and they're willing to work with us. And so therefore our students are positively impacted because our families become more involved in their education. Um, they're more comfortable, they feel more involved. It's, it all rolls together. Thank you so much for joining us. After the break, this week's final word. This week, the final word is coming to you from Ms. Griffin Gerken's classroom at West Green Elementary. We're thrilled that we were able to visit. Being aware of the students and um, having in the back of your mind, like knowing that what they experience at home may be very different from what they're getting here and what even like what you've experienced in your life and just making sure like you think about that with the choices they make, um, asking yourself more of like the reasons behind why they make their choices instead of just going straight to why did you do that and reprimanding them um, and then just making sure you keep like thinking about trauma when you have the atmosphere in your classroom and thinking of things that might trigger them and how to avoid those things with them. I make sure every morning we start with a morning meeting and that just kind of helps clear their head and get them like focused on the school day and we always start with a greeting so they have to go greet a friend and there's like different greeting things we do and they're just like fun silly greetings and then we always do a breathing practice so um, I love doing that first thing because a lot of times they'll carry that over like throughout the day and then I have like a random question I ask them and they get to discuss it with their peers so it's a way for them to like form a bond with one another. Um, I also implement the um, zones of regulation. So we did that at the beginning of the year and we created like posters and we really talked about like which color means like sad, blue, and then yellow, like being silly. And I love referring to that because a lot of kids have a hard time like expressing how they feel. But a lot of them I've noticed, it's really easy for them to go, I'm in the blue zone. And then I know like right away, okay, they're feeling sad and we're able to kind of talk through and get them telling me like why they're feeling sad. If they are in the blue zone or the yellows, even like the yellow zone, it's a way for them to go there, I feel like a lot of people think, oh, they've got to be angry to go to the calm down corner. But a lot of times my kids, they're just like overstimulated and they're feeling silly. So it's a way to get them like calm and just kind of get their mind off of something. It helps too, like if they're frustrated with a task and they're just sitting there, if I see they're just sitting there and they've shut down, I give them like five minutes and they can go and like kind of get their mind off that task. And then usually they're able to get back and complete it. Thank you for thinking and learning about education with us. We'll see you next week.